Welcome to the markets. Hello again, Orion Samuelson here for our weekly visit to check the market story from Wall Street to the feedlots of Arizona and everything else in between. And it was quite a day on Wall Street today to bring this week to an end, so let's look at the numbers first of all. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 23 points for the day, ending the week at 25,450. The S&P 500 down nearly 6 points for the day to end the week at 2743. And the Nasdaq dropped 13 points, ending the week at 7408. The Nasdaq snapped a 10-week streak of weekly gains, And the closely watched Dow Jones Industrial Average fell half a percent, dropping for the 11th straight session. That's its longest streak of decline since 1972. And the recent pullback has paused a rally to start 2019 that had or is or whatever, been fueled by optimism over the U.S.-China trade deal and by beliefs the Federal Reserve will be less aggressive in raising interest rates. So far for the year, the S&P 500 is up 9.4%. Probably the biggest news of the day was the February employment report. Major surprise on that one today because the uh, analysts were looking for uh, an addition of 180,000 jobs during the month of February, but uh, the number came in at 20,000 jobs, and that was the weakest since September of 2017. No doubt that employment report caught the attention of a lot of traders today, and it helped push the market down and didn't give it an opportunity to move higher at all. So with all of that going on, the uh, economy creating only 20,000 jobs for the month of February, that report added to economic fears fanned by a sharp decline in China's exports. And after the European Central Bank cut growth forecasts for the region on Thursday, One analyst said people are concerned about the jobs report and global growth in general. That is pushing the markets lower. But stocks did finish well above their lows today for the session, as investors noted the jobs report was affected by, well, seasonal effects and the federal government shutdown. Another analyst in Atlanta said as people take a step away from the headlines number, they say, hey, This is just one report. The economy is likely not as weak as this one report would suggest. And uh, the recent pullback has paused a rally to start 2019 that has been fueled by the optimism over the, well, over the news that changes almost daily whether or not we will get that China-U.S. trade agreement. President Trump announced today that he is not planning a trip to China for any signing of any kind of agreement. 
ExxonMobil shares dropped 1.4%, were among the biggest drags on the S&P 500. And in corporate news today, Costco wholesale uh, shares rose 5% after the warehouse club operator's quarterly profit topped the estimates. The uh, S&P 500 posted six new 52-week highs and five new lows, while the NASDAQ recorded 28 new highs, 51 new lows, and about 7.1 billion shares changed hands in U.S. markets. That's below the 7.3 billion daily average over the last uh, 20 sessions. So um, with those numbers on Wall Street and employment, let's take a look at the oil market situation. Oil prices fell about 1% today after disappointing U.S. jobs growth revived concerns about the economy. And with surging U.S. oil supply also unsettling markets, Brent crude futures fell 56 cents a barrel, ending the day and the week at $65.74. The U.S. crude futures fell 59 cents, or 1%, and it ended the week at $56.07 a barrel. The European and U.S. economic weakness comes as growth in Asia is also slowing China's dollar-denominated February exports, fell 21% from a year earlier, representing the biggest drop in three years. And that was far worse than analysts had expected. Chinese imports dropped 5.2%. And uh, let's look ahead to next week, a fairly weak on the report side of the market, because uh, not much happening in the way of uh, earnings reports. The Labor Department Tuesday expected to report an increase of two-tenths of a percent in consumer prices for February after prices remain unchanged in January. And on Wednesday, the Labor Department is likely to report the fact that the producer price index for final demand rose by two-tenths of a percent. Also next week, construction spending up maybe four-tenths of a percent in January after falling six-tenths of a percent in December. And initial claims for state unemployment benefits, they're expecting to hit 225000 in the week ended March 9th. The Labor Department, in a separate report, will say that import prices likely rose three-tenths of a percent in February after falling five-tenths of a percent in January. On Thursday, the Commerce Department expected to say that new home sales rose to 620,000 units in January. And if that happens, it would be slightly higher than the 621,000 units in December. And across the pond, across the Atlantic, lawmakers in the United Kingdom are expected to vote on Prime Minister May's Brexit deal on Tuesday. Ahead of that vote, the Prime Minister is seeking changes to an insurance policy aimed at avoiding a hard border between the British province of Northern Ireland 
and EU member state Ireland after Brexit, concerns over which led to her original agreement. Business software maker Oracle expected to post an increase in third quarter profit Thursday. Adobe expected to post an increase in first quarter revenue and profit, helped by higher subscriptions for its flagship Creative Cloud Suite. Dollar General Corporation expected to report an increase in fourth-quarter same-store sales on Thursday as remodeled stores and an expanded offering of private label products pull in more customers through its doors. However, the discount chain's profit margins may be weighed down by higher transportation costs. And the CEO of Wells Fargo, Tim Sloan, will testify before the House Financial Services Committee on Tuesday in a hearing that will set the tone for Wall Street under the new Democratic-controlled House. Tuesday is the second time Sloan will appear before Congress since the company's 2016 phony account scandal hit the headlines, and that, of course, set off a series of investigations that continue to dog the country's fourth largest lender. So uh, Wells Fargo isn't done with that problem just yet because uh, there's more to come up on Wall Street, and particularly in Congress, as we continue to watch the developments in that story. U.S. productivity rose more than expected in the fourth quarter. Labor Department said yesterday that non-farm productivity, which measures hourly output per worker, increased at a 1.9% annualized rate in the last quarter. But again, taking a look at that employment report today, let me repeat those numbers that uh, shook up a lot of people on Wall Street today. The uh, numbers they were looking for, uh, 183 or 180,000 new jobs in the month of February, and the number came in at 20,000 jobs. However, the unemployment rate did fall. It's below 4% once again. Today, we're happy to have with us, and we're going to be visiting with him here in a moment, the uh, chairman and chief executive officer of the CME Group, Terry Duffy, who will join us when we continue on the markets. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. It's been too long since we've joined Terry Duffy on the air to talk about what's happening in the world of risk management at the CME Group. Terry Duffy is chairman and chief executive officer of the CME Group. But, Terry, I've known you since you were trading hogs as a floor trader. Yes, you have, Orion, and I've had the great pleasure of knowing you and... uh, 
knowing you even before that by listening to your show, you've been so instrumental in so many traders' lives and helping so many different people being educated on the marketplace. So I greatly appreciate it from that standpoint, Orin. And you're well, it's, it's been a labor of love for me. And since you brought up education, back in the olden days, in the late 1970s, I was a member of the board of directors of the Chicago Board of Trade. And at that time, my big concern was that we weren't doing enough to educate people who use the market or should be using the market. And I commend you for what you've done to educate people, like state fair activity and uh, supporting young people. What has prompted that as far as the CME group is concerned, Terry? Well, Laurie, and I appreciate you bringing that up. And I, I'm a big believer in education in the marketplace. And, you know, when we looked at continuing to build out our business, you know, there's been a lot, so much talk, Orion, as you know, about high-frequency trading, all the technology that's gone into it. And my focus has really been on bringing in new participants into the marketplace and starting at a very young age. So whether it's the, the commodity carnival that we have at the 4-H, whether it's sponsoring the 4-H, whether it's being working with the ag communities to bring them into the marketplace, it's been a big push that I've had here at CME, especially over the last several years. And I think when you look at the results of what we've been trying to accomplish, Orion, especially as it relates to the open interest or positions, as you know, that are open on the books of CME that have yet to be closed out. Today, most high-frequency traders, Orion, they go home flat for the day. So they trade all day long, but they don't carry overnight positions. It's really the commercials and the people that are doing risk transfer that carry the open interest. And that's sitting near record levels at CME. Today, Orion, we're sitting at 127 million contracts open across our asset classes, which is a reflection of new participants coming in to manage their risk. So, you know, we believe very much in educating people at all levels, starting with the young folks and continuing through the generations. And, I, you know, I've been down to the State Fair many of times. I've sat down with the Cattlemen's Association, and a young man came up to me, and he talked more about option strategies on cattle product futures than I've ever heard. So, I mean, I think that the education has become more and more mainstream, and I think that's healthy for the economy, especially the ag community and the rest of the, uh, the population. So we're very excited by the education of it. And it's education that goes both ways. It goes from the CME group, but it also comes back to you. As a matter of fact, you mentioned cattle. And I was in Washington, D.C. this week to talk to the agricultural college deans that, you know, are putting the focus on education for our future farmers. And uh, a cattleman came up to me. He's a retired cattleman, but he said, is everything settled between the cattle people and the CME group? Because I know you worked on that. I do, and I still work on all different issues across all of our asset classes. But, you know, obviously me trading in the livestock when I was a very young uh, man starting in the business, so I have a passion for that uh, part of the sector, obviously. Um, but, yes, we I have worked with the Cattlemen's Association. I was just with a group of folks down 
at a conference that we hold, um, and the NCBA was represented at the event, and we had good conversations. Um, yeah, there's always some issues as it relates to conversions. There's always some issues as it relates to high-frequency trading in the marketplace. And I think as the world has moved forward over the last several years, Orion, the cattlemen and the participants have adjusted to uh, the way the markets are trading versus maybe the way they were trading just a few short years ago. So I think we have worked hand-in-hand educating them. They've educated us, and I think it's been a really good partnership to let them uh, make sure that they have a risk management tool that fits their needs because that's what's critically important. You mentioned the volume and the activity in trading, and I go back to your uh, income report and that sort of thing. It continues right. to climb. We're finding more people, aren't we, that are using risk management? We sure are, Orion. I mean, if you, 2018 was a record year for CME Group. Um, we were up 22% uh, year over year, and uh, it was one of the best years that we, we had in uh, 2018. And there's a whole host of fundamental factors, obviously, that are associated with it. But really, it's bringing risk management tools to the rest of the world and bringing them that a way that's cost-effective for them to manage that risk. And, and that's really what we're charged here to do and to make sure that we don't sacrifice the risk management of those products at, at, the, at the expense of trying to bring greater value for the participants. So... You know, we've been very fortunate, and this one of the things that maybe some of your listeners will be uh, interested in hearing. Our ag volumes alone were at 1.5 million, uh, which was up 9% year over year in the fourth quarter of 2018. So that that's really impressive numbers, because if you talk about 1971, Orion, when you were sitting on the board of the Chicago Board of Trade, but those numbers were just unheard of back then. Oh, yeah. And so it's really... Um, it's been able to grow just dramatically, and uh, I think the fourth quarter earnings of CME uh, really uh, reflects those uh, the growth through all of our asset classes. But I like to point out the eggs. Well, we talk agriculture, of course, all the time, and uh, report all of your markets on that activity. What about relationships with the CFTC? Are they a, a good, fair oversight group? You know, I, I do believe so, Orion. I think that a, there's always a little tension between the, a regulator and its participants, and I think that's good. I think there should be a little tension between uh, participants and, and its regulator. But I, I'm a believer, Orion, and I've been saying this for a lot of years, that good, smart regulation also breeds good, smart, credible markets. And so I like to put those two things together, and I think that the Commodity Futures Trading Commission – as you know, has been an oversight agency since 1973, since the Ag Committee uh, has uh, relinquished that responsibility. And I think they've done a, a really good job. And they're fighting some constraints on budgetary issues, like every other federal agency. But they've done a really good job of managing the markets. And the partnership that we have working with them, as you know, our interest, or and we don't care if the market goes up or down, we just want to make sure we manage the risk properly like I said earlier. So I think the CFTC has really done a good job on its oversight of the marketplace, and we work with them closely, but at the same time, there's always a bit of a tension there. As we look at risk management, how big a role do options now play in the market? Very big, Orion, and I'm glad you raised that because it's one of the great growth areas that CME and the rest of the world has had 
is on options uh, trading. Uh, options has become more mainstream. It seems like the retail participants like to trade options because they um, they they've have a, a good understanding of options today. They know that they can limit their risks on options. Um, so there's a lot of option strategies that have been deployed to CME, and it's been really uh, the proliferation of the, the growth of it has been extraordinary. And um, I think it only helps the underlying products uh, as well. So it's, it's been a great growth area for CME and for other institutions as well. Well, for years, the Mercantile Exchange was known as the butter and egg market and the Board of Trade as the grain market. But now we've kind of put the two together, haven't we? We have, Orion, and, and that's really been amazing. You know, my dear friend Charlie Carey, who yes. the former chairman of uh, the Chicago Board of Trade, who sits on our board on the parent company board today, led that along with myself back in 2007. And I, I'm a big believer, Orion. If we did not put those two institutions together at the time that we did, that Charlie and I were able to lead that that you would not have these institutions, not only in Chicago, you might not even have them in the United States of America, because they, they would have gotten eaten up and taken apart by participants from either here or other parts of the world. But we were able to put them together to create the efficiencies for the users and grow these businesses as one. I don't think we would have been able to do that as two standalone institutions. So I think it's been good for the city of Chicago. I think it's been good for market participants, and uh, it's been good for the United States of America. And, of course, you're a global market, countries all over the world that trade these markets, right? They they sure do, Orion. I mean, just a, sh- a few short years ago, most of our revenue was out of North America. And today, Orion, roughly 30% of CME Group's revenue comes from outside of North America. So the growth of our products globally has just been amazing. We're in roughly 150 countries around the world. You know, we have employees uh, based all throughout the globe and growing this business. And uh, I think it's it's truly one of the great gems in the United States. Uh, I know sometimes financial services gets a bad name, but when you look at what financial services can do for the security of a nation and how it's the envy of the rest of the world to have institutions like not only CME, but the NYSE and others in their country is very much a benefit to the people. Even if they don't believe they use their products, there's still an inherent benefit to the the participants. So I, I just think these are great institutions, and um, they are definitely growing globally. I know that you're always looking for new products to put on the market. Anything coming down the line that you can talk about? You know, we've been adding on to our our suite of products, Orion. I mean, it seems like yesterday when I first started trading, there was 15, 16 products you could trade at CME and probably a very similar number at the Board of Trade back in the late 70s, early 80s. And today there's over 1,000 products to be traded you know, at the CME group. So it's really grown exponentially. But I think one of the things I would highlight is the recent acquisition of the next group out of London that we just acquired, um, which is the cash side of the, 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 the treasury business, the, the cash side of the foreign exchange, very complementary to what CME has on the future side. And then really one of the things that I think will benefit all of the asset classes, especially the ag and others, 
is, is the optimization or the back office services that we acquired in this company to make it much more efficient for the market participants. Um, so that's some of the things that we're focused on right now. And obviously, Orion, as you referenced, new products, nothing I could share with you at the moment, but new products are critically important. They're the lifeblood of any institution, so you constantly need to innovate, knowing full well that certain things might not be successful, but you have to continually put money into R&D as it relates to new products. Well, you're looking for new products, and I share this with you. I received a call from a lady in Chicago who listens regularly for markets, and she wondered when I was going to start carrying futures prices on cannabis. So there's a new product for you, Terry. Uh, What do you you say to that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Arian, what I would say to that is, um, you know, as a federally regulated entity, I cannot list cannabis futures because they are not federally approved. So I would say to your listener that, unfortunately, she's going to have to get her pricing somewhere out of Colorado or somewhere out of Canada. But there are some listed companies, as you know, trading this out of Canada, but not on a futures price. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. You know, I think a lot of people chuckled as it relates to cryptocurrencies 10 years ago, Orion, and now they're talking about them like they're mainstream. So I'm not saying I'm a proponent one way or or not a proponent of cannabis. I think when you look at some of the benefits it could add to people to get them off the opioids and things of that nature and some of the other things of the benefits, but I, I think we also have to be mindful of gateway drugs and things of that nature. So there's always a balance. You know, CME's reputation is very, very important, not only to me, but to my employees and my shareholders and the users of our of the CME. So we'll keep a close watch on that. But I would not I would tell your listener that that's probably not something I'm going to be listing in the near term uh, as the cannabis futures. I'm relieved to hear that because I wouldn't feel comfortable reporting cannabis futures, frankly. <laughs> would not be uh, very comfortable with that. This is something we have to do a little more often if I can ever catch you in the office, and I'm grateful for your time today. So thank you so much for sharing with us. Orion Samuelson, I am at your disposal anytime you want. I am a fan of yours and your program, and I would do uh, anytime you need me. Don't hesitate to call. I will do that, and you've got a great staff that helps me a great deal on all of that. Our visit today with the Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of the CME Group, Chicago, Terry Duffy. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence. In the world of food and agriculture this week, quite an event in Green Bay, Wisconsin at Lambeau Field, where normally it's the Packers that are winning titles, but this week it was the U.S. cheese industry. They did have the semi-annual National Cheese Contest in Green Bay this week. 2,555 entries And that was up 11% from 2017. Entries came from 35 states. And the winners, a cheese from Ohio. 
captured the top spot at the U.S. Championship Cheese Contest. The Baby Swiss, made by Gugasberg Cheese in Willersburg, Ohio, barely edged out a Gouda, made by Mariecki uh, Petterman in Thorpe, Wisconsin. She won the contest back in 2013, but that's the champion cheese. It's a Baby Swiss, the best in U.S. competition in Green Bay, Wisconsin. National Pork Producers Council held its annual business meeting this week. That took place in Orlando, Florida, and they elected a new slate of officers. New president of the organization, David Herring, a hog farmer from Lillington, North Carolina. And uh, he takes over for Jim Heimerl, a producer from Johnstown, Ohio. Howard Roth, a hog farmer from Wazika, Wisconsin, elected to president-elect. And Jen Sorensen, communications director for Iowa Select Farms, was elected by the NPPC Board of Directors to be vice president. Let's take a look at where the markets ended this week and where we'll be getting underway with the markets when they reopen on Monday. First of all, livestock trade today did pretty well, pretty much a green screen at the Mercantile Exchange. The June lean hog contract up $2.92 a hundredweight, $78.17. The uh, June live cattle contract up $0.72 at $120.95 a hundredweight. And the April feeder cattle contract gained $1.75 today to end the week at 147.30. And then we take a look at the uh, grain market. March wheat today up five and a half cents. It'll start at four dollars thirty-two and three quarter cents a bushel on Monday. March corn down one and a quarter at three dollars fifty-four and three quarter cents. And March soybeans end of the day down seven and a half cents a bushel, three dollars eighty-three and three quarter cents. That's where the markets ended. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your company every week when we cover the story in agriculture and Wall Street on the markets.